0: So I went on a call with him and he was like, you have no idea what you just did. And I'm like, oh my God, like I told you it's going to be trouble. And he goes like, no, I'm getting like emails and messages and DMs saying how, how happy people are that we stood up for them. We support the community and how funny you are. And I'm like, wait, really? Like, I didn't care about any of this stuff. I was like, people think I'm funny. And he was like, yeah, all of your, um, natural instinct um, really paid off. And he's like, over the year, so much of my personality kind of got fused in with Yanko Design's personality because they didn't have a brand voice or brand tone. So I lent all of mine to it. And they it it finally, that was the culmination point where it paid off, where people were able to relate and they could be like, I don't care if this brand has a million followers. They're clearly hearing us out. They're here to support us. And all of that was partly having my leader having trust in me to run the things like I wanted to run them and then me believing like, okay, this is the right way to do it and like just going and doing it.
1: Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Dreading Sundays. If this is your first time, welcome. I guess it's not a welcome back, but I hope that you do come back because this podcast, Dreading Sundays, is all about sharing the personal journeys and challenges that people like you who look like you and sound like you or may have similar experiences like you, sharing how they've overcome very similarities so that you can feel as though you can do that too. And hopefully from a career perspective, ask for A, what you're worth and B, find out what you are worth. So in today's episode, I have the lovely Chi joining us. And well, I'm going to hand it over to you Chi because you have a one name name like Madonna and Cher, but I'll let you uh, unravel that mystery for us. Hello
0: everybody. And Daniel, thank you for having me. I'm so grateful. Um, So yes, my name is Chi and my full name is Chi Tukral. My last name is very long and hard to spell out. So that's why I just go by Chi. However, She was not available on any social platform. So unfortunately, all my socials are my full name. Um, But yeah, one day maybe when I'm a millionaire, I can buy all those chi handles and truly be like Madonna.
1: (laughs) Nice. So you mentioned social. And for those who have been listening since the very beginning, I I typically have people who work in SEO or growth or organic growth. So you're probably one of the first people who specialize in social media. What does that exactly entail apart from everything?
0: Ooh, (laughs) so you mean I do copywriting, content creation, editing, publishing, strategizing, community management. (laughs) um and then obviously with the heavy responsibility to keep making things go viral um and keeping the internet happy and light and funny while also making sure that we're conscious of world events and putting out (laughs) statements for for all the issues that every community ever is going through so constantly standing in solidarity while making memes yes (laughs) social is great it's so fun (laughs) I love it. It doesn't,
1: it doesn't sound <laughs> stressful at all. How how do you before we get into your work, how do you disconnect from it? And can you?
0: Mm. I'm not very good at it. So I won't lie. I want to be more mindful of disconnecting. I have been trying to do better by like, um, doing no social weekends. So like Saturday or Sunday, I try to like not touch social media. I'm still probably like editing video or something to post on Monday. But I don't go online as much on the weekends, sometimes not at all, which has been a little bit helpful. And I try to use that time to like either read a book or like go outside on a walk. I've been mindful of making sure like okay i have to keep my phone down and let it stay down it's so hard but like iphone has this one um feature which is like how many pickups like not your screen time but how many times you pick up your phone and that number is so shocking to me like my screen time yeah whatever eight hours nine hours i don't like i'm not shocked by that but it will tell you like you picked up your phone 300 times today and i'm like for what though Because, like, I'm not even texting people back. I'm not on the phone with anybody. So, like, what am I doing? And that, like, kind of reminds you how many, like, one, probably have ADD because I'm so distracted that I have to pick up my phone every two seconds. And two, just, like, it's so easy and crazy. We don't even realize. I'm trying to be more mindful of, like, reducing the number of times I pick it up. And, like, like, when I keep it down, I keep it down. And weekends, I try to disconnect and be more mindful and also I have friends who keep me grounded so like um, my partner who I live with gets very easily he's like hey like we've been in the couch for three hours and you've not like kept your phone and I'm like oh my god I don't realize that so that's very helpful like sometimes if you can't do it you need to have someone else keep you accountable but can you really disconnect probably not it's a constant like especially if you're a content creator, or if you are doing your own socials, like in my case, Twitter, I put so much of like my personality and my life out there that I can keep my phone down. But like my mind is still like, Oh my god, this would be great content that I have to make a mental note of and I can do it later. Or like, Oh, this would be really good and very relatable. So I should make this into a story time or whatever. So it's hard to disconnect if your life isn't it. But if you are not doing that, before I was on Twitter, which is not very long ago, I've only been on Twitter for like a year and a half. Um, before that, I was managing socials. For that, it's easier to turn off because, you know, it's a job and you're like, okay, after a certain point, like, I don't have to be online and these, the community <laughs> does not need me and the people can wait another day before the brand replies to them. So those are two, two different sides. Unfortunately, I play both, so I, for one, don't disconnect. I'm always on, which is so bad and so unhealthy. But yeah, you can try.
1: Fair point, and and totally understand where you're coming from. How did you get into social?
0: So, like, as a career, or like mm. on Twitter,
1: as a career choice.
0: Um. I mean, I've always, like, taken photos when I was young. My grandpa bought me, like, a digital camera when I was, like, in the seventh grade or something. Um, I really always liked photography. So I would, like, take pictures all the time and, like, upload them on Facebook as albums. I was always, like, the friend in the group or the classmate who bought their cameras on school trips or like on picnics or on sleepovers. So I was the designated photographer. Um, and I really loved doing that. So I did that. And I decided I wanted to be a filmmaker, which is so ambitious of me. Um, and I'm just like, my parents are, I have Asian parents. I'm like, first of all, like, what made me think <laughs> I was like, I did not get away with it. Which is, which is an interesting story I'll come to. But I want to be a filmmaker. So I started interning with film crews. I started filming weddings, commercials, um, auditions, and all of that. It was really fun. Um, so that kind of, like, made me feel like, wow, like, if I don't become a professional filmmaker and if I have to do the same thing, but as a job, like, what could I do? And I'm like, social media, that's great. But I never – it's just so funny. I've never had the title of a social media manager in my entire career. <laughs> I've always just been like, I've always had the other title of like an account manager or a head of content or a head of marketing or a marketing manager, but I always get pulled into social and I end up doing it all the time. So that's interesting. I think it comes from a place of like, that's just how, I feel like that's my passion. That's where I feel the most creative. And I also am on it as a user all the time. So it comes very naturally to me. And now that I think about it and I look at my entire career at a glance, I've always done social, like whether it was for work or outside of work for fun. So it's just like the most natural thing to me. And I've now finally come to embrace it and respect it. And I feel like that's the kind of thing I want to give back to other people like me who are trying to get into social media. Like, don't do it just because it's cool and because it's funny or maybe because you'll go viral, right? Do it if you genuinely like making content. Like, tomorrow, if my job was away, if I had to be a barista, would I still make content? Yeah, I would still be out there making content. So. If that's your answer, then you should go into social. You should enjoy it because the only pro of social is that if you enjoy it, you'll find the good parts because otherwise it's very toxic and very negative. So you have to make sure that you enjoy what you do. Otherwise, it's going to be a tough one for you to grow into.
1: Let's get in there. I was about to make a joke and then you made it really real because you said the only good thing and then you rounded it up with because it can be very toxic. Explain to our listeners who haven't been involved, who's not repping a brand, what that actually looks like and how it can impact you as an individual.
0: So maybe I'll, I'll use a story to kind of give this an insightful little story time. <laughs> uh, when I was working my previous job, Ingo Design, it's a Japanese publication and it's very well-respected and super well-renowned and blah, blah. It's beautiful. And I started there as their marketing manager when they were at 500,000 followers. And then I grew our account to $1 million Followers in my first year there, um, and that's what made me head of content. So it's very, it's a wonderful like big story. But there's one particular day um, that my boss really saw what my job meant like, and he was, it was a turning point in my relationship with my boss and our CEO, um, and that I'm very grateful for him too. So side note, he is my mentor. He changed my life and changed how I look at leaders and what I expect from a leader that I'm working under. Um, and that's why the story is very important. So we he had something very controversial that he wanted to post on our Instagram page. And keep in mind, there's a million people who follow us. They have a lot of opinions. Um, and I was a one-person team. So he didn't tell me he's going to post this. This is a statistic about how um, there's, like x amount of like female designer students but only a 10 percent of those make it into the real world so like why are design studios not hiring women or why is there such a big gap between women who go to design school and women who end up working in the design field full-time so he posted that statistic and then there were like slides explaining what the problem is and how we can solve it however this was done when it was like 10 p.m for me so this is like i'm off the clock at this point i didn't see it he posted this and it went crazy viral on people mostly because there were a lot of misogynistic men who saw this and said maybe women are not trying enough or maybe their designs are not good or blah, blah blah so it was a huge wave of men and like dumb men um out there like being like that's not true like they can just ask for more money and i'm like. If that's how the world worked, if I just had to ask for more money, I'd be a billionaire right now. But he posted that was crazy and then our community like female designers from our community started like going in the comments after these men like that's crazy like how could you say that? Like there's peers in the community that are reading this like this is so humiliating and they were having their own fight. And a couple of designers then DM'd the brand account which I was managing like, "Hey, you posted this. And all of these men are in the comments and all these female designers are fighting for it. Are you really not going to step in and back your community up? Um, and that's when my boss gave me a call. And by this time, it's 11 p.m. And he goes like, hey, cheese, I posted something. And I'm like, why? <laughs> I was like, first of all, why did you do this while I'm not on the clock? Second... I have no crisis comms plan. I'm a one-person team. Like, what (laughs) What did you do this for? And this is when things were awful. They were on fire. Like, I was truly like that puppy in the middle of the room. Like, this is fine. Everything's on fire. (laughs) It was so crazy. And I'm like, I don't even have backup. Like, I'm – it's insane. And I'll show you the post after we, like, you know, finish the podcast because it's very interesting. And he goes like, Dauchi, what do you want to do? I want to know as the social media head for this community – I posted this, that's fine. Well, how do you want to handle this? Do you want to step in and back these people up? Or do you want to be neutral as a publication? How do you want to handle this? And how do you think this is going to affect everything going forward? So I was like, well, I would love to support our community and go after these men who are attacking our you know, our female designers and like teach not teach them a lesson, but kind of like open their eyes to perspective. And I'd love to make jokes because I have a lot of jokes to make. And that's the way I cope. And I would love to like... Really give it back to these men, because as brands, you never really troll back. You have to be very neutral. And as a publication, too, you have to be very, like, collected and calm. And I was like, I don't feel that way. I don't think this topic deserves, like, being collected and calm and that energy. Um, and I feel like we should give it back to them. So he was like, sure. And I'm like, yeah, but, like, be prepared, because it might go the other way, too. People might be mad that a brand was, like, you know, uh, that chaotic and that um, snarky. And he goes, like, I don't care. If you think that's the right way to do it, you do it. and I'll back you up. And I'm like, are you sure? People might block us. People might hate us. And he's like, I don't care. You're the expert for me. And I believe in you. And I will back you up as long as that's your plan. That, for me, was very important as a moment to see that my CEO and my leader trusted me to do what I wanted to do with this um, crazy crisis situation. And I had full reign and full creative control to just go ahead with it. So I started responding to comments at midnight without any strategy, and I went on until eight a.m. next morning, really going after it. Um, and that like made every designer who followed us, even non-designers, like that made everyone go like, "Whoa!" Because no competitor was doing this, no publication was doing this, no brand was doing it. Um, so I started they started referring to me as like the Robin Hood troll because I was trolling people for good <laughs> like I was trolling the bad guys back and I was really supporting our like our community it, to a point where there was a meme page dedicated to our publication that constantly made fun of our publication <laughs> that stepped in and they were like whoa like Yanko Design is really out here and they turned into a fan page after that so uh-huh. that was happening some designers started like a YouTube live and they got me in on that so it It was a very crazy night it took a lot of energy I was also like up all night I used every possible creative comeback that I could you know think of at the time and I gave it my best the next morning when I went to work I was yes I was up the next morning 10 a.m I was back at work and my boss goes like what are you doing and I'm like what do you mean we have a day of work to do and he goes like she, I'd love to help on a call. So I went on a call with them, and he was like, you have no idea what you just did. And I'm like, oh, my God. Like, I told you it was going to be trouble. And he goes like, no, I'm getting, like, emails and messages and DMs saying how, how happy people are, that we stood up for them, we support the community, and how funny you are. And I'm like, wait, really? Like, I didn't care about any of this stuff. I was like, people think I'm funny? And he was like, yeah, all of your um, – natural instinct um really paid off and he's like over the year so much of my personality kind of got fused in with Yanko Designs personality cuz they didn't have a brand voice or brand tone so i lent all of mine to it and they it it finally that was the culmination point where it paid off where people were able to relate and they could be like i don't care if this brand has a million followers they're clearly hearing us out they're here to support us and all of that was partly having my leader having trust in me to run the things like I wanted to run them and then me believing like okay this is the right way to do it and like just going and doing it so there were two things and it was that was a turning point for anybody who wants to work in social that happened I went to work and then my boss called me and he goes like you need to take two days off and I'm like no I'm fine and he goes like no you feel fine because it's an adrenaline adrenaline high but it's in like it was he saw it and he saw thousands of people come after us and I was the only person going after them. And he was like, if this was real life, you'd be so physically exhausted right now. And your brain is probably gonna feel that way once you actually keep your phone and your laptop away and go to bed. So I was forced into taking a break. And that those two days of not working and not being on social made me realize like how much energy went into this one viral incident i slept for 12 hours both days i did not have the energy to talk to other people cuz i i was so spent from talking to people online i had no creative ideas i was very brain dead i just like stayed on the couch for both days and then i went back third day and i was like you were right i was very tired thank you for giving me those two mental days not not, not a lot of leaders realize that or know that And I was very grateful that I had the chance to experience that high and then the low. And then it taught me like, okay, this can be a very toxic place if you do this every day and if you don't take a break from it. Um, So that is an important story to keep in mind. Like it can be very ugly, very bad. And you'll feel like amazing or like, yeah, people love us. Like they're laughing at my jokes and my comments are getting likes, but like, the when you come down from it, you realize all of the things they've said about you. And then once that incident happened, anytime that I put my face out there on Yanko's, um platform, because I was the face of the brand, I would get a lot of hate comments. I would be like, Her nose is this way. Her face is this way. Her hair is this way. Her skin is that way. I would get all these comments on the brand page and my personal. So that's another side of things that if you ever want to be a social media manager and a famous social media manager, like there's so many of my friends who manage like big accounts like for Duolingo or McDonald's, like people know these social media managers, but you have to be prepared. People will come after you if they know you. They don't like the brand, they're going to find you and take it out on you as a person. So that's the toxic side of social media that people don't get to see. And the only kind of protection from that is one, having a good leader and two, making sure that you are drawing your boundaries, taking a break, putting your phone down and separating yourself from the brand. That's very important. So if you give a lot of your personality to the brand, you need to draw a boundary and be like, okay. This is all of myself that I give to the brand. Anything beyond this point is going to be toxic and affect me mentally. Um, so I hope that story was able to give more insight into what a day could look like if things go viral and how to kind of navigate that situation and what it really means for your mental health.
1: A wonderful story. Crazy story. And thank you so much for sharing what it was like and how it felt and being so open about, yes, the highs are high, but the lows that come, they take a heavy, heavy physical and mental toll. And if you do this day in, day out, then it's just not sustainable. Mm-mm. And and the, my takeaway from this, and you also mentioned it, was having leadership who understands. Now, for a lot of brands, social or content is just one person. Maybe three of you are lucky. How did I think this particular leader and CEO you had at Yanko understood it, but a lot don't? So, for that person who's listening, who's in that role, who doesn't have that buy in or appreciation from leadership, how should they best navigate things so that their boundaries make sense to their line managers or superiors so that they're not seen as not doing their work or not doing enough?
0: I would say honesty is like the only key to this. Like you have to, you can be like, yeah, I'll do it. Or like, yeah, the comments don't bother me. Like if things are bothering you, let your leadership know. Even if they don't understand social, I don't, I cannot possibly see a situation where a young person working on social going up to their manager like, hey, I think this is affecting my mental health. This is taking a toll on me. I need To set some boundaries please help me set some boundaries i don't see any manager that's going to be like no you have to go back into work if they do that you need to leave that's a horrible manager but i honestly don't think even in in average workplaces where they don't understand the day in and day out of social if they cannot comprehend the toll it takes on your mental health if you simply go to a person say i need help i don't think the response is going to be like no Right. So I feel like the only way to combat this is to transparency. I've been in jobs where people don't understand social and that's what's worked for me. I go up to them. and I'm like, this is bad. This is affecting not only me, but the brand. I am giving a lot of myself to this brand, but I am a person at the end of the day. I feel like my tank is running out of fuel. I cannot continue being my most creative self if this is how it's going to go. I would appreciate if I am put on another project or if I'm given some sort of a break. And that is going to be healthy for you and your manager I honestly don't i I cannot think of a manager who's going to be like no like f you go back to work if they do that leave
1: beautiful script I'm actually going to grab that and put in the show notes because it's it's a template that anyone in any role should be able to say and hopefully have a leader who responds in a positive way
0: mm-hmm.
1: now let's let's dive into a uh, the filmmaking, you made a half joke, but I also understand as a fellow Asian, you know, going into the creative space with, you know, high achieving parents, that's not a safe pathway, right? <laughs> so-
0: oh, God. <laughs> my mom, okay, two jokes here. When I made it to the Forbes India list, I sent it to my mom and she was very proud and she shared it with all of her friends and very happy and blah, blah. And she comes up to me like three days later and she goes like, so you made Forbes India? And I'm like, yeah. And she goes like, that's not Forbes Asia. And I'm like, no, Forbes Asia is another list. And she goes like, okay, so you still have like two, three more years to make it to Forbes Asia. And I'm like, being being on my national list is not enough. Like I got to go for the continent. And I'm just sitting there like, I could very well make it to Forbes Asia. And then she's going to be like, not Forbes USA. Oh, okay. <laughs> you have two more years. So I, it's so funny. Like that's what she said. I'm like, mom, <laughs> I don't need to do that. But parents will, that's again, very humbling for me. Cause you, you're going to be like, yeah, I'm like a, a 30 under 30 lister. And then your mom will very quickly humble You're like, okay. And when I told my dad, he was like, oh, that's great. Is that another job? And I'm like, Okay. So that's very sweet. It's very humbling to be around people who don't care about social media and who are not from that space. But yes, having high achieving parents is, it can be toxic. Um, For me, personally, my mom was that, not toxic, but like my mom was this super high achiever person. She does not shut down. She's, um, I grew up with my mom being like, an editor of a magazine for the longest time and I saw her like being so stressed and snappy and having gastro issues because it's so demanding as a job and I have a younger sister when she was my age my mom transitioned out of being an editor because it was bad for her health and and turned into yoga like just practicing yoga to calm down and eventually became a yoga teacher so I me and my sip like my sister always joke like I had a different mom than she did I had the crazy editor and she had like the calm yoga teacher. So that's one thing. So when I was growing up, she was an editor and she hated this idea that I was out just making films because that's not a sustainable career. Right. And I don't come from like a family of wealth. So I couldn't be like, yeah, like I'm just going to make films and like, you know, rely on my parents' money and blah, blah. So she was like, well, you're going to be out there like make. maybe you make films like, OK, and then you're going to be out of projects and then you have to go to find new projects. It's very rocky up and down. But whatever. I was 19 and I was like, no, I want to make films. How dare you stop me from going after my dreams? So I started looking up schools in United States and I'm like, I'm going to see where can I, I had to just escape the country. So I was like, okay, I started applying to random schools that I could find that had remotely creative programs. Like I didn't want to do something that was like very, um, like an integrated marketing course or like a business course. I wanted to make sure like whatever I was doing had marketing in it. So like my mom knew it was a real degree, but at the same time, (laughs) it had like some creative component or content related stuff so that I knew I could just run out of this country and run with that um I got accepted into two programs one of them was a film school in Paris but it was a hundred percent film school and they gave me a full scholarship so I would have to spend zero money if I decided to go into film the other one was Emerson College in Boston. And it was a creative degree, but it had marketing. So it was called like global marketing communications, but it was very creative heavy. So like social and content and a wonderful course, honestly. Um, I got into both, but Emerson was not free. The Paris Film School was free. And my mom was like, I will pay for you to go and get the degree, but I am not letting you go. She was like, you're going to go to Paris for film school? I'm never going to see you again. And honestly... Maybe, maybe that would have been true. Maybe I would have not come home. Um, so I'm like, that's fine. Okay, I'll go to the marketing degree. I'll go to grad school. I'll get my degree. And I'm, I still won't come home. And she's like, that's fine. Okay, then comes the other hard part. She's like, why should I spend money to send you there? And I'm like, didn't you just tell me that you would <laughs> let me go if I picked a degree that could lend me a job? And she goes like, yeah, I said I would let you go. I didn't say I would pay for it. So why should I, why should I pay? And I'm like, all right, so i would to make a whole deck explaining why she should spend her life <laughs> savings to let me go to grad school and how that would result in a stable job as opposed to a film job. But she didn't know that Emerson actually had is a film like alumni heavy school. So like I could still go into film if I wanted to. Um, that deck was very persuasive, but my mom and my dad were like, hmm, convinced my mom was still like iffy, but my dad was very much like, okay, this seems like something you really want to do. Um, and he was like, well, either I pay for your grad school or I pay for your wedding. And I'm like, send me to grad school. I just want to leave the country. And he goes like, okay, that's fine. And we shook hands. We we're on our rooftop drinking coffee. We shook hands and it's like, cool. You can let your school know that you will be attending in fall. And this was in May. So, I really applied like in Feb. I got in May, my admission in May, and I went in September. Um, I had not graduated from my last year of undergrad either. So, I was still, I graduated while I'd already started grad school. So, it was a really weird thing. And I also had the pressure of being the youngest in my grad school. I started grad school when I was 20, and I graduated when I was 21. Um, so that was really hard because a lot of my cohort had experience, like real life experience that they could then put into their theses and their, you know, everything. And I was just like a 20 year old who wanted to get out of the country and ended up in a grad school. I mean, I was capable, but I was still young. So that was a hard thing to balance. But at the end of the day, it made my parents very proud. My mom and my dad came to my graduation, and they were very, very happy. And they were like, "Oh my god, you did it! I'm so proud of you." My mom was just happy that I was, um, I got a degree that could get me a real job, so that was fun. And that's just that's how I really migrated from India to America. I scammed my parents
1: <laughs> with a very persuading slide deck. Yes, at the age of yes. 19, come on.
0: Yes, I know, and. After all this, my mom was like, you did make it to Forbes Asia? And I'm like, girl, I scammed you out of thousands of dollars. <laughs> you tell me, but- Oh no,
1: it's still cheaper than the wedding. It, it's okay.
0: So, you know, I don't know who the real winner is here, but it seems like we're all finally happy right now in our careers and our respective financial choices in the moment. But that's how I migrated, and that's what really kickstarted my career in marketing. It was an accident. I was trying to go to film school. I just landed into marketing because it felt like, oh, maybe I can make films, but maybe I could make commercials or ads or work in advertising in some way. And that's sort of what, like, made me deviate my path a little bit and turn into marketing.
1: You mentioned the magic marketing, no, advertising, and through our mutual contact Winshi, I now know that Ryan Reynolds knows of you, not just <laughs> no, by name, but knows knows of you. I, I'm going to claim this as my second degree or is this for, I don't I don't know how to calculate <laughs> that, but please tell me how, how.
0: <laughs> uh it is such a funny story i still don't it's so hard but okay my my friend david david griner he was the international editor for ad week he knows ryan they're they're like real like text friends and griner and i are best friends no, yeah yeah we're best friends he, he's not gonna refute this claim if he does it's gonna end badly <laughs> for him um <laughs> Greiner and i are best friends he's also a mentor like in my time in Twitter, a year and a half now, almost two years, he's helped me navigate, like, the rise, and the good and the bad that comes with it, so we became very close, he knows Ryan, so, I think it was under, someone, someone had a tweet, like, who's the most famous person in your phone, and, I was like, well, in my phone, it's David Griner, until, like, Ryan Reynolds, like, gives me his number, it's gonna be Griner, um, and then, Ryan Reynolds responded to that. No, David Greiner goes like, oh, yeah, we talk about you um, mm-hmm. often. And I'm like, okay, whatever. Like, he's just saying that because he's nice. And then Ryan Reynolds responded like, yeah, we do. You come up from time to time. And I'm like, no. So I immediately texted David. And I was like, what? Like, you told him to reply that. There's no way. Why does he care? And he goes, like, no, that is him. And no, we do. I have mentioned you. And I'm like, that's weird. So then I thought, like, that's not true. It's my other friend, Julian, Julian Gamboa, who's the social director for Maximum Effort, owned by Ryan. I was like, you know his socials. You did this. And, he, and he's like, no, I'm literally out of office today. What happens?" So I sent him the text. And he goes, like, no, Ryan does his own socials. So that was wild to me. Um, I still don't believe it. So Griner will physically have to make me meet Ryan Reynolds for me to believe that. Um, I've heard he's very tall. So I'm very (laughs) excited to um, not stand next to him. But yeah, I've heard he's very tall, but he's very sweet. But that's how, that's our little interaction. And I think he's liked maybe one or two tweets before, but this is the first time like he responded saying like, yeah, we speak, you come up from time to time, and I'm like, why? Like, now I want to know, like, why did I come up? Like, what did I do? They never told me that part, but I'm determined to find out. But that's my Q4 goal: to figure out <laughs> why am I coming up in conversations? And well, at the conclusion, you know of this why? Whole because thing, you're amazing. No, probably like <laughs> Ryan was like, "Did you see this clown?" Um, but I did add Ryan Reynolds to my Twitter like close. Circle, (laughs) so in hopes that he will one day um, accept that we're first degree friends. You know, (laughs) right now we're still separated by David and by Julian. But yeah, he's in my close first circle friends. So Ryan, if you're listening to this,
1: (laughs) yeah, 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 totally.
0: (laughs) Follow (laughs) me back. (laughs)
1: That's so so cool. And and when you get that photo, when you're standing next to this very handsome, tall man that we all have a crush on. I think you can send that photo to mom. Like
0: You know, she's going to be like, that that's be good great. Enough? Like, you no, know, she's going to be like, what What about the president? Like, <laughs> is that next? Like, let me know when you meet the queen. <laughs> I did actually send her a screenshot of the Ryan Reynolds thing, and she goes like, who's that? <gasps> oh, ouch. She's very, she's very far removed from all things social, but she was like, Huh? And then my sister and I had to show her a picture, and she was like, oh, yeah, 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 nice. That's very sweet. I'm like,
1: okay. Okay. So we're at the tail end, and I want to shift gears a bit, and I want to dig into through your career progression, what was that like? Have you had to ask for promotions or – I mean, I don't really understand how the social side of things work, and I was hoping that you could uh, loop us in.
0: Yeah. Do you have to ask for promotions? Most of the times, yeah. It's a hard thing to do, I'm not going to lie. The only time I didn't have to ask was my last job at Yanko Design, and I think it was because I was able to demonstrate a lot. I am also not very good at... um, Being nice to myself, like, I cannot talk myself up or be like, oh, I'm so good in this way. You should give me a raise. My boss, at the end of my first year, was like, okay, so do you think you deserve, like, a promotion or a raise? And I'm like, I don't know. That's, like, your job to tell me, like, do I? You evaluate. You are the evaluation. Why do I have to tell you? And he goes, like, yeah, but what do you feel like? And I'm like, I don't know. Can I say yes? Like, is that not, like, if I say yes, am I not going to be humble? And he goes, like, no, you'll still be humble. So it took him a while to like go back and forth and for me to actually be like, yes, I deserve a promotion. And even like when he was literally handing it out to me, I was like, I don't know, do you think so? Um, so that was the first time like when he gave it to me. And that's so sad, right? Because I feel like all of us work so hard and we're, we just don't, we've never received credit. And this is one thing that really bothers me, that people give criticism so much weight. And they're so loud about criticism, but they're not the same way about giving people credit or giving people praise. And that's why we're we've all been led to believe that like we only deserve like a tidy raise, or like maybe we're not worthy of asking for a promotion. But like if you think about it, the cost of living is going up every year. We're literally in an inflation right now, and we're all showing up to our jobs every day, despite the pandemic and the mental health and all that. Like we're all doing good. And it is sad that we're led to believe that if we're not showing up every day at 100% and like making things go viral like crazy and like making a shitload of money, we don't deserve that. So that's something that I'm trying to unlearn. I think especially as people of color, that is something that we always feel like, you know, like, oh, we're not, we, we don't deserve it. Especially if you're an immigrant or an expat or a student who's trying to get their job. We're always told to like take whatever you get because you're not you're not even going to get another chance. Like, you're not going to get another opportunity. So you don't have a lot of room to be, like, negotiating salaries and negotiating job offers, right? And I've been in that position. I have taken so many jobs just because someone told me, like, you're not going to do better than this, so might as well take it. And due to circumstances like visas and stuff, I've had to do those things, right? But I'm finally growing and I'm learning that that shouldn't be the case. And I would love to, like, stand up more and advocate – For more people like me, to not settle for things. like I know there are things outside of control. Sometimes you have to do things for your visa status and to start earning to pay a student loan back, that's fine. If you do it to start up somewhere, that's okay. But don't make that a pattern or a common thing with every job and not let people do that to you. I've had um, recently so many incidents where someone's telling me like, you know, like we've paid for like your visa and your sponsorship. So you got to work extra hours or you got to like, you know, put in that effort. Like, I'm sorry. No, you paid for my sponsorship because you thought I was capable enough to be here and that I should be here. You didn't pay for my sponsorship to get overtime. That's overtime. (laughs) That's two different things. So that sort of confidence or learning, I'm sure only comes with growth and experience and obviously as we grow older so i would say like obviously if you're early in your career and you're student, you're starting out you might have to be in a place where you have to take opportunities to start out but as you grow make sure that every time you evaluate yourself at the end of every year you take that as an opportunity to go to your manager or look up new jobs and see how can you get paid better how can you get a better title how can you grow as a professional too like make sure you're growing to don't if the minute you're comfortable at your job and you're not learning and you're not being challenged and, and you stop having bad days and by bad days i mean like days where you don't have an answer to a work problem, not a bad day with a boss. Um, That's when you have to be like, okay, I might have to look at a new place. And that's what happened to me at Yanko Design. After two years, I had an answer to every problem. Um, I was doing my job on autopilot. I was very comfortable with it. I loved it. And that's when my boss was like, you need to get out. (laughs) You're done here. Thank you for your service. You have to go somewhere else. And that was an opportunity for me to figure out, okay, What do I want to do next? How do I grow from here? What salary do I want to ask for? How do I make my case as a person of color once again in another country? So that all of that is important. And you have to keep in mind, no one's going to advocate for you more stronger than yourself. Literally, no one's going to walk into your performance review or your interview and be like, no, give her 100,000, not 80,000, right? You have to do that for yourself. And I'm still learning how to do that. I'm very shy. So make sure you're asking for peers around you what's the best way to do it. Ask your co- like colleagues if you're close to them. Ask your friends what they're doing in the industry. If, if people are afraid to give you an actual salary that you should ask for, ask them for a range. Tell them to give you a window. Make, makes life easier for them and for you. But that's another thing, right? I want people to be more transparent about how much they're earning so that all of us can make more money. That's the only way we can do that. But yeah, you know, start advocating for yourself from the beginning. I didn't do that from the very beginning. I'm only doing it now. But if I could tell my younger self or younger people like me outside listening, I would be like, start from the very beginning, like make sure that people don't take you for granted just because you're young.
1: Beautifully said. And I resonate with so much of that experience. And there's no way to, there's no course, there's no degree that you can learn that. Uh, I mean, yes, certain people of privilege get access to that, but most of us who are people of color are from minor- minority or underrepresented communities. We just are told to work hard and be thankful for what we get, and that's it. But let me tell you, it, it's not like that. And I didn't realize that until in my early 30s when I switched to careers completely. Funnily enough, as a wedding photographer and filmmaker, we, we won't go there. There's a lot of trauma. <gasps> Look at
0: that. Oh gosh, yes. Oh my God. It has tr- when when my dad said I'll p- not pay for the wedding, I'll pay for the degree. I'm like, oh, you do not like me as a bride? Oh my God, no. I've seen so many. They're so crazy. Everything about a wedding is just so chaotic and stressful for me from as a pr- as the photographer that I don't think I can be like. In my own wedding, like I'm just gonna be like, what's that angle? What's that light? Like, are they getting this? You're moment? in the wrong
1: spot. Like, no, no, wrong light. Nope, nope.
0: At Redo. that point, I should literally just like use a selfie stick and film my own. <laughs> <laughs> but I feel you. It is very traumatizing. The hours, the people. Oh, oh hours, gosh.
1: Yeah. I'd forgotten about no. the hours. Now I've just remembered. Like I like I have a cushy in-house job. Yes, there's lots to do, lots to learn, but compared to wedding photography.
0: Oh yeah, I'll take it. (laughs) I do not want to be out there till 3 a.m. and then color correcting people's pictures the next day and then giving into their like, can you make my tan tanner? Can you like fix my eyes? Can you like, and I'm just like, oh my gosh. I do not, no. No, thank you. Nope. Nope. So in hindsight, my mom was right. (laughs) Mom, if you're listening, you were right. Thank you for making sure that I get a real degree and a real job.
1: (laughs) Those those are going to be my podcast career goals to have a Ryan listen and your mom.
0: (laughs) My mom will listen. My mom just um, joined Twitter because again, like I'm very bad at texting. Um, So she literally joined Twitter to keep up to know everything I'm doing. So she's on Twitter. She keeps up. She comments here and there. She retweets. Um, which is great for me because then I don't have to give her a whole debrief when we talk over the weekend. But yeah, she is on Twitter. So she's definitely going to listen to this podcast.
1: (laughs) Awesome. And on that note, thank you so much, Chi, for your generosity in time, sharing your stories, not just stories, but really actionable advice that we can draw from those stories and leaning into, of course, your experiences and vulnerability. That's something that, as you said, we I would want more transparency in the workforce especially around digital marketing where there you know there's still unpaid internships there's all a whole array of stuff that doesn't sit right but if we just tackle it bit by bit day by day then hopefully things change so thank you
0: yeah they will with every generation as we get more transparent they're they're going to keep changing so this is just like another part of that change right like someone who listens to this might take that advice and feel better and, you know, might have a more positive experience and then pay that positive experience forward 10 years later to their intern. So I'm glad. and Thank you for having me. This was really wonderful.
1: No, it's been an absolute pleasure to be somewhat affiliated with someone who is affiliated with Ryan Reynolds. (laughs)
0: yo same (laughs) i am just like you just affiliated to ryan reynolds by someone i know
1: (laughs) awesome all right folks that's a wrap thank you for tuning in to the very end of this episode if you're a first-time listener again welcome and i hope you found this to be inspiring and motivating and don't forget to go back to the previous episodes there's like 20 or something previous episodes that you can tune into and hear from other people who you may resonate with so that as chi said that you can feel motivated and inspired. that hey if they've achieved this they've overcome the same challenges as i maybe i can too maybe not today not next week but eventually so until then Stay safe, stay curious, and be kind to each other.